Ambient lighting is a basically overall lighting of the space. It's basically in the houses, we are doing down lights as a basic ambient lighting, complemented with some chandeliers or pendants, how we do it. This will add to an overall ambient lighting within the house. This ambient lighting has then next to be taken care by the accents of the project. Every house has a high point. Maybe your dining is your high point, or maybe your sculptures are your high points. Maybe you have some kind of special art which you have bought. That can be your high point. We start picking those high points through the accent lighting. And of course, this is going to be the second. And the final layer is our dusk lighting. Our table lamps, standing lamps in the corner. This is exactly how we will combine three different kinds of lighting together to bring that one single layer of lighting. Welcome to Let's Talk Decor. I am your host, Manju Sara Rajan. Lighting is the single most important, ubiquitous element of design in any home. It doesn't matter whether your house is big or small, whether it's a flat or it's a house. The lighting will decide how nice that paint color you purchased actually looks on the wall. Lighting can make spaces warmer. It can even disrupt your sleep or render you quite sleepy. But lighting design isn't completely accepted yet as a full and important form of the interior design process. But one man has had better luck, Vinayak Divan. He is the principal and founding member of the lighting consulting firm Lightbook in Delhi. He started his lighting design career in Milan, gaining experience in architectural lighting and eventually set up Lightbook as his main practice. Since then, he's designed the lighting of high-end homes and hospitality properties all across the country. During our conversation, I started by asking him, well, what exactly does a lighting designer do? And why is it essential for us to think about lighting when it comes to designing our homes? Listen into this episode as we discuss more on some of the fundamentals that you need to apply to your home. Vinayak, I want to start with asking you a very basic question, which I think a lot of people don't really understand, which is what or who rather is a lighting designer and, and why do you think homes need a lighting designer? Right, Manju. I think I've asked a very valid question. I keep getting this question again and again, and I've been getting it for many years. Uh, see, I'll, before I answer this question theoretically, I'll just i just pause and I'll, I think, take you back a little bit in the past of who exactly lighting designers are. Uh, see, basically, the term lighting designers came actually in the early 1900s uh, because the original lighting designers were people who were doing theater lighting. You know? So they were the professionals who were more responsible to curate the shows and the theater, of course, in early 1900s, theater was big at that time. Yeah. And because those things were being curated and people were seeing a big change in how the lighting designers were putting the stories together in the theater. I think some genius got an idea that why don't we try the same professionals to do the architectural lighting, you know? And I think the architects at that time somewhere experimented with the same lighting designers who were doing theater. And I think the results were quite progressive and quite positive. So this is exactly how by chance, the same lighting designers who were doing theater got into architectural lighting design and that is exactly how this professional thing started. But now answering your question more technically, it's basically it is these people who are using light as a medium 
to curate interior and architectural projects together. It are these professionals who are bringing their aesthetical knowledge in, in accordance with the technical knowledge to curate the spaces for, for present times. Uh, because as you know, projects are becoming complex now. Yeah. And people need people who, to actually get into the subject because light is a difficult medium somewhere, intangible medium. So there are no thumb rules like I always say. So that is exactly where lighting designers are coming into the profession and this is who exactly lighting designers are. <laughs> but in India, I would imagine that especially when you think of interior design or let's take, uh, you know, a person who is moving into, say, a rental apartment, right? Today, we really think of, okay, I need some basic lights, maybe something on a desk and basic lights in, in these rooms. We don't really think about it from a function point of view. What are we doing in those spaces? So can you tell me when we think of, of it practically, what, or a designer like yourself, how are you thinking about a space and its relationship to design? Like, what are the things that you take into consideration, um, which anyone, anyone should keep in mind? Uh, see, in India, like I said, because this is a relatively new profession, this new line, people have never heard about lighting designers earlier. Even a lot of architects have never really heard, but now, of course, uh, everybody knows who we are. In any given project of any space, when we come on board, we ourselves, we are analyzing the projects volumetrically, how exactly okay. it is. Uh, we will understand to what exactly the interior concepts are, what exactly is the architect doing for the client, what is his story, and what is the interior design story for the project. It is us who will actually get into the depth of the question and into the project. And we will come on board to understand what they're looking for. And that's exactly when we will get into the basics of lighting, to the material palette, the interior palette, the flooring palette, what kind of ceilings are we designing? What kind of walls are we planning? So we will get into the depth of every nook and corner of the house. And this is exactly where uh, somebody from the design background like me will come into the help the architect. And this is exactly how we will make our lighting concepts. So for any given project, this is exactly how we are approaching any design. And we are helping clients, architects, and individual people to achieve a good lighting interior. For a homeowner who's not, uh, you know, who's not engaging the services of a designer uh, or doing it themselves, what would you say are sort of a couple of things that they need to keep in mind? Because most have, most homeowners are, are not really engaging the services of designers and they're not considering this as a specific activity, right? So can you give some tips that anyone really should keep in mind? Uh, see, for any homeowner, like I always say, don't just emphasize on your interior all the time you need to get into the subject of lighting also. You have to understand that lighting is by itself a separate thing altogether. Invest that time with your designers. Invest that time with interiors. I'm not saying every client has an interior designer or a board. I'm not saying that. But if you have, invest a little bit of extra time to look into the lighting, understand what the concept is going to be, understand into what kind of layouts are we looking at, uh, see what the interior story is going to be, Start marking your lighting concepts. Start layering your project, you know, because just putting one single downlight in the house is not enough. Start thinking. Explain that. Layering light. What do you mean? See, when we say layering the light, we exactly mean layering different aspects of interior story. Uh, basic layering of lighting for anyone, basically three types. One is, of course, the ambient lighting, 
the task lighting and the accent lighting. These are basically three basic layers of lighting which we all do. Yeah. So if we want to break that down, ambient lighting, explain those three as well. So ambient lighting is the overall lighting inside a room. Yeah, ambient lighting is a basically overall lighting of the space. It's basically yeah. in the houses we are doing down lights as a basic ambient lighting, complemented with some chandeliers or pendants, how we do it. This will add to an overall ambient lighting within the house. This ambient lighting has then next to be taken care by the accents of the project. Every house has a high point. Maybe your dining is your high point, or maybe your sculptures are your high points. Maybe you have some kind of special art which you have bought. That can be your high point. We start picking those high points through the accent lighting. And okay. of course, this is going to be the second. And the final layer is our task lighting. Our table lamps, standing lamps in the corner. This is exactly how we will combine three different kinds of lighting together to bring that one single layer of lighting. So with a touch of a button, you exactly can have a different scene. Maybe in the daytime, you can have ambient light, which is dim. Maybe you're reading in the evening. You want everything to be dimmed down. You are concentrated on your reading right? There can be time where just your beautiful console is illuminated, you know? So it is these three different layering, which is mm. exactly the basis of the entire lighting concepts for all the projects, at least the residential projects, which we do. These are the layers which are very important for any homeowner to consider when he's planning the lighting design. So um, you mentioned earlier about the factors that you take into account and you, talk, you briefly mentioned textures and color. Tell me so that we can understand, again, something most people don't really think of, the relationship between the paint color in a room and the light that's going to be in the room. How to make that selection correctly or rather how not to end up making mistakes. See, uh, colors are very, very critical for our interior design process, as we all know. And while we are analyzing the spaces volumetrically, understanding of colors also become very important. Colors on the wall, colors on the floor, colors of your furniture, if you are giving. Color is very important. A simple example, a uh, 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 lot of people tend to have uh, sometimes blue color on the walls. And I, although I recommend my residential clients, please don't have these kind of colors. Why? Because, uh, it's just that I'll tell you a reason. The same blue color when illuminated in a warm light, which is generally the thing that blueness doesn't really come out the way it should be. So for that blue ball and that for that space, for example, a lot of kids' room are done blues and pinks and reds, I know. To enhance these colors, you need to use a more natural light for that. And that color temperature is 4000 Kelvin, which is a bit on the whiter side. And yeah. we normally do not recommend these white lights for any of the spaces. So this is exactly the problem is, whereas these white lights come into the residence, they don't really do the right job. So that's why we tell the clients, avoid these kind of loud colors if you really have to. And for example, if you're using warmer tones on the walls, you have special wallpapers, special cladding, use those beautiful warm lights to accentuate that color even more, to create that kind of a warmth and that coziness in your space. So this is exactly where the colors will be there. If you're using warm colors, please feel free to use LEDs with, with a high color rendering index, which we call it, and of a high intensity so that warmth comes out. And if you have any kind of a kid's room where you want to play with the color, you might have to go with a natural 
white color, which is a 4000 color temperature, to use that to enhance that right color out of it. Because the warm light will not be the best maybe for the blue color coming out. So this is exactly, I think, how the paints and the light go hand in hand with each other to bring down the best out of the project. But even sunlight has a lot of a relationship, right? With lights and colors. And when you're picking a paint color, for instance, I mean, it can look completely different in daylight. It can look completely different at night. So is there a is there a, a sort of a trick or a, a way that you use or your team uses to figure out how a certain light fixture or a certain lumen will look with a certain paint color? See, like you talked about natural lighting, we all know natural light is the best source of light available to the human race. Uh, even if you know sometimes when we have to see the color, we will always go in the sunlight to see the right color. Yeah. Because a sunlight gives you the right a color rendition and the light color, the color right saturation to see the right colors. Wherever in a residential projects or commercial projects or hospitality, we always tell the owners to maintain the natural light more. Because the same natural light enhances our interiors more, our spaces more. But once the sun is down and the artificial lighting has come into the play, our lighting design is very clear. Like I said to you, the layering has to be correct. The right lumen packages have to be correct. Uh, we have calculation softwares which tells us that what kind of uh, lighting we are looking at. Residential lighting normally tends to be on lower side, whereas commercial projects tend to be a little higher side. So we would have to do those calculations that how the same light fixture can also be given maybe in a lower lumen and also in the higher lumen so that at least the overall look and feel does not get compromised, you know. So if it's a residential project, it still maintains its warmth. And if, even if it's a hospitality project, it still maintains its warmth, but with a different kind of a lumen intensity. So it is all mixed up, like I said, technique, aesthetic, and the experience working in the past on so many projects. So do you recommend that people have dimmers, for instance, to allow for a certain flexibility? A few years ago, of course, of course, automation has been always been there, but I can see that this is a new trend happening. Uh, people yeah. somehow have become more acceptable to technology. Um, while people are, uh, you know, uh, trying to invest so much on other materials like stones and paneling, we always tell our clients that always keep automation in consideration when you're planning your lighting. It's just that with a little bit of investment in technology, you have the flexibility to play the kind of moods and the settings you want in the house. And I think people are adapting to this technology. It's just that you have to have the right guidance by the right uh, company and the right manufacturer to achieve that right lighting. Otherwise, the technology can go a bit haywire if it's not handled by the right people, you know. But uh, I think technology is now well uh, accepted by people and automation pretty much on all the residential projects, people are investing into automation. And even the companies which were not affordable by a lot of residential clients, I will not name them, even they have come down with very okay. uh, basic break-even prices that uh, that you can remove your, your basic uh, manual buttons. Put our, put our automation panel and your lights will start talking to each other, you know. They're also talking about, uh, you know, lighting over Bluetooth. Every lighting can be controlled individually, you know. So yeah. even companies are also reinventing themselves to go to the customers who didn't find automation, you know, very feasible. 
So they are making systems, and I think I think lighting automation is taking a different turn now. So if you spoke earlier about sunlight and the importance of sunlight and having clients sort of maximize that, but you know, in places like Bombay, for instance, and where in places where people are largely living in apartments, how can somebody maximize? whatever limited amount of light that they have and especially during seasonal uh, you know variants like the monsoon is there a way to to maximize whatever you have if you don't have plenty available naturally see i'll answer this question in a different manner i will i will somewhere start with the interior story first we when we are uh, trying to analyze any project with respect to the interiors we always recommend that to our clients that please choose colors which are light try to use bright colors you know sometimes people go overboard um, like i said uh, everybody tend to now google open interest everything now in the world but they don't see that does this story really fit into my apartment you know does my but are you talking about paint colors or are you talking about you're, you're talking about paint colors see it starts with that actually it starts with your paint color yeah. because if your paint colors are not correct our lighting would be very difficult to handle you know uh, a lot of people say we want to use black color a lot of people are fond of black but they don't realize that if you're using a black color no matter how much light i'm going to put in your ceiling it is not going to bounce back you know mm. especially for the apartments where natural lighting sometimes is a problem unless you're living are you living on the higher floors you know please avoid light dark colors actually absorb light colors because whatever lighting we are going to do it will reflect more it will create more ambient lighting for you you are going to achieve more with less lighting you know uh, so this is exactly how we will tell the homeowner especially living in the apartments you know uh, and like i said talking about consumption of the energy you know all these things will come into the picture once you start doing the right lighting otherwise your your bills are going to be a bomb and you will say that why i'm not using this space so much i don't even getting the ambience to what i want why am i paying so many bills i know leds have made life easier for people yeah. but still you know it is a step by step process lighting alone cannot do the magic yeah it has to be a story and the story actually starts right from how we are conceiving our spaces and lighting just becomes like a cherry on the cake that's how it works. so i so that's another element that there's another element of of these spaces that i i want you to touch upon which is textures right and surfaces because the paint on the wall is one element that people need to consider but people also as you mentioned at the beginning the ceiling the floor because light is bouncing off of all of these surfaces right talk to us a little bit about that and and what what perhaps surfaces are great if you are in a space that is very dark or you don't have enough of uh, sunlight see like i said um texture again is another another material it's another element in the design uh when we are conceptualizing our concepts for lighting we are looking for these high points within the project you know and if some client has finally agreed to do some kind of a texture we will always ask what color are we looking at what is the design of your texture you're looking at are you looking at textures just in the paint or are you going to be creating these textures in the stone you know because the play of light and shadows come into the picture you know these textural walls create fantastic shadows 
from the ceiling. Yeah. So we will actually request the client and the architect that can we see what kind of textures are we looking at? You know, are, are these heavy textures? Are these light textures? Is it a light color texture or is it going to be a dark color texture? Because like I said, if it's a dark color texture, no matter how much light I'm going to throw on it, that texture and the paint is going to absorb my light. And it will not give you that kind of a beautiful gradation of the textural element to what we are looking for. So these textures are very interesting. But like I said, always go into the depth of what kind of a texture we are looking at. You know, So that's exactly how we are picking up the textures combined with the other layering of the lighting within the space to, to give kind of a balanced overall look and feel to a client. This is exactly how we are doing it. And we are uh, you know, doing it right so let's look at, say, floors, for instance, right? Um, let's say a wooden floor. What is what, what what kind of relationship does the light and a wooden floor have? I mean, would it absorb it? Would it reflect it back as opposed to, say, marble? Wooden floors, uh, they are very warm. They're beautiful. They create that kind of a warmth in your space, like uh, like a lot of deck areas, uh, sometimes home theaters. A lot of these lounges are being done. Basically, the, the wood... Decking is done because the wood by itself has a beautiful warm tone to it, you know, mm -hmm. and that creates that first layering of warmth and the coziness to the space. That coziness is then being complemented by the right lighting on it, you know, which is again going to be warm. So that overall warmth is created. But the moment we get into a stone, for example, mm -hmm. the white stones and the Italian marbles, which we're using and they're reflective anyway, you know, the same lighting helps us to bounce back light, you know, that whole thing. But the only uh, the only issue which we face as lighting designers is that the more the more reflective the stone, you you see more light fixtures on the floor because you see those yeah. reflections falling on the floor. So we sometimes have to be very, very careful that how we are doing. So we will check with the interior designer. That are you throwing some carpets here? Are you throwing some furniture here? Because if I'm walking in a corridor, somehow I don't want to see the reflection of the lights <laughs> on my floor. Either. On the floor. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, when we do these uh, these high-end villas and these high-end projects, when we do, there are long corridors, long spaces, 30 feet by 30 feet of living rooms being you know thrown around. And then when you imagine the lighting there, I mean, 30 feet by 30 feet sometimes is the size of a room for somebody, you know. So we will ask the interior designer, can you help us with some furniture, some carpets, because these lighting are being, you know, being reflected on the floor. You know, so uh, this is exactly how we are able to balance between the stone and these wooden floorings. Each has its own character. Once the light is is thrown out, it creates a different magic in every place. Stone has its own charm. Wood has its own charm. And of course, lighting uh, does its own play when it comes into it. And that's something that people don't really think about, right? Like, how does the how does a bulb that is on the roof reflect off of a floor, and what does that do to even the people in the room? Because that light is then reflecting off of you and on you. You know, it's it's so strange. In one of our projects, which we did, uh, it was uh, a villa for somebody uh, important, and there there was a lot of stainless steel products were being used. And I'm talking about four or five years ago at that time, stainless steel was like was quite savvy and everybody was throwing stainless yeah. steel objects and stainless steel, you know, everything you talked about was there. So the moment the lights were falling on the stainless steel, it was creating the reflection on the ceiling. And so when we went to do the evaluation post the installation, 
suddenly I see the ceiling being full of these white reflections, you know, and we are like, oh my God, this is way too much, you know. So either we change, you know, the, the technicality of a fixture or we request the interior designer that can we reduce the quantity somewhere because our ceiling is nothing but these reflections, which, which I don't think is right for any project we are looking for. So, you know, we come across these kind of, uh, I will not call setbacks, but kind of <laughs> a new, new learnings for us that, uh, that, oh my God, this material should have been studied a bit earlier. You know, we just thought that one or two objects would be there. But suddenly when you come in a space where there are 20 objects, we are like, oh my God, something has to be done accordingly. But but that timing is interesting, right? What comes first in this whole in, in this whole thing? Because... You've got paint color, paint is, I, I mean, usually put in right at the end. And until you try a little bit on the wall, it's hard to tell how it's going to look. So how do you, how, at what step do you guys come in? And, you know, uh, at a point where things are still flexible enough to, to make changes? Uh, see, um, I mean, the right stage for any of us to be on board should be when actually the the civil structure of the building is going on because it is this time when the architects have already started planning their interior concepts. They, they might not finalize what shade of beige they want. They might not finalize what gray they want, but they are already started, you know, conceptualizing these ideas with the client because mm. client also wants to see what exactly my house is going to look like. So uh, with our experience of working earlier on residential, even we know that what kind of colors we are looking at. So we are already there and we and any with the furniture layouts are frozen. The fall ceiling designs are frozen. Preliminary, I will not say the final one. These are the right stages when our role come into the picture. Our lighting design concepts are being frozen. The high points are being picked up. The furniture layouts are being picked up. Uh, where we want task lighting, where we want accent lighting, where we want ambient lighting, where the chandeliers and the pendants have to be thrown. This is exactly when we start planning because lighting is not just one time. It is it is going to be a three four stage project for us also. Uh, we we come in as early as architects and interior designers, and any time when the interior designers give in the first presentation, we are pretty much on board. You know, hope, that is what we hope that wish we can be, uh, and this is when we'll start defining our first cut layouts. You know, for the site that this is what we're looking for. You mentioned um, fall ceilings. And so I want to I wanted to just touch upon fall ceilings and recessed lighting, which has become very popular in, in India and especially um, even in apartments. And, you know, uh, generally the height of the apartment will get reduced somewhat by the use of uh, fall ceilings. What What is your sort of opinion on that? Because there's a lot of very, very, I mean, ceiling, ceiling design itself has become a very important part of interior design now. Um, and I just wondered what your opinion as a lighting designer is, because you see so much sort of, you know, reflecting upward and uh, essentially not really even lighting to highlight the room, but actually to highlight the ceiling. See, you know, the way you questioned it, you can see that how complex this whole process is. Yeah. You know, it is not just uh, coming and doing it and just job is done. See, uh, I know lighting fixtures take a bad name that we ask for uh, 50 mm or 100 mm of space for our down lights. But don't forget, all the modern houses now, they all have a false ceiling. You know, 
you need to run conduits. You need to run your air conditioning pipes into it. Okay, so fair enough. They take they take 50 mm, but we want only another 50 mm for us to house our lights. You know, so it's not that we are asking for more. It's just that we tell the architects and the designers that see you are already using a 50 mm fault ceiling. Can you give us another 50 mm for us to do a better aesthetic for you? Because this is exactly what I'm saying. Down lights take a bad name, but believe me, at the end of the job, it is these lighting fixtures in the ceiling which is going to be really creating that wow feeling what you're looking for. So it is that uh, one can plan fall ceiling smartly. You don't necessarily have to put 100 mm down throughout in the entire space. You can always play with levels, you know. You can always okay. play with levels. And if if we sit with the designers on initial stages, we can tell them that fair enough, this is your main living area. We are planning for one pendant in the middle, and maybe we are putting four downlights or eight downlights around it to create that accent on your furniture. Because you will not be switching on this beautiful, expensive pendant every day. You will be needing these downlights on a daily basis at some intensity, complemented with some lighting coves on the side, you know. Because these, it is these lighting probes, believe me, are actually the real energy savers for the client. You don't want to put on these expensive pendants every day. You don't want to put on these expensive downlights every day. It is these lighting probes, if done properly, will help you give the right lighting within the space. And maybe when there is a social gathering in the house, you can always trigger the scenes what you want. You know, So it's not that we are asking for too much. We are just asking for that another 50 mm to give you that value to, I think, what you're looking for, you know, from lighting. So the other thing that, um, you know, I wanted to ask you about, um, which is sort of a, a, a task part of the lighting uh, design, which is the switchboards and the, you know, the switches, basically. Um where do you where do you usually place them? I mean, this is a common mistake that a lot of people see. You see, especially in just you know uh, standard size apartments, things sort of place somewhere in the middle of the wall, and that's another thing that many people perhaps don't really consider where it should come. Tell me about what you know how you usually place them and how people should think of that when considering the um, design of their space. See, switch points electrically are normally placed on the ingress and or the egress points of any of the spaces normally. Uh, so maybe, for example, in your bedroom, the moment you're coming in, it either can be on the extreme, just on the right side, the moment you open the door, right? They can be one large keypad to control your overall lighting of the space. And then you can have two small keypads or switches on your bedside. You know, if you have a separate a table, like a study table within your bedroom, you can always complement one more switchboard there to control the local task light out there. You know, so it is going to be a very careful planning, and of course, this electrical planning has to be in tandem with your furniture layout. You just can't suddenly say that okay, today is not furniture like that. Tomorrow I'm going to change it. No, you can't do that. I mean, there is some effort gone into planning your house, planning your room. There is somebody who has placed these electrical points for you with some thought. You know, somebody has placed the electrical lighting in the ceiling. So it is the furniture layout which actually is your benchmark. And that kind of furniture layout will help you make a right switchboard layout for you also. You know, 
So this is exactly how we talk about, you know, these electrical switch ports for our clients. That's how exactly our basic concept is. So I want to talk about white light, uh, which you've discussed earlier, and tube lights. I mean, in India, we have a general sort of a, a, a bit of a love for tube lights still. Um, tell me what you think of that and, and what are the options if you do want? A lot of people say, well, I can't read properly, so I need, you know, white light, um, which especially in, in after daylight can be a bit, the contrast can be a bit uh, harsh. See, end of the day, we are all looking for brightness. Okay. We're all looking for good lighting, you know. And of course, earlier times, these tube lights or the white lights were the basis for all the lighting in the house now. End of the day, you are looking for brightness. LEDs now have come into the picture, you know, very strongly. Uh, the whole technologies of incandescent and fluorescence are going. I mean, of course, it's still available because LED as a subject, of course, is not affordable by still by, you know, not by the masses, you know. Um, they can use it if they want to, uh, like, but white light somehow we don't recommend really. People are looking for brightness in their homes, you know, and that brightness can be achieved both by this white light and also by the warm light, you know. It's just that you have to give a thought to it. Uh, I, I mean, I can give an example. I did a house of a very important person, like I said again, and because they were uh, they were used to white lighting earlier, you know, and they said, "When I we are used to white light, I mean, I'm sorry, but what can you do?" We did, we did a mock up for them. Mm. Uh, we told them, "I said, you know what? Give us an opportunity," uh, because his parents said that my parents are used to uh, white light. They are they are little. They're not comfortable with what you're planning. I said, you know what? Give me an opportunity. Let me do a mock-up for them in their space. And believe me, they'll be convinced. And believe me, they got convinced. We did a mock-up. And all I told them was that you are looking for the brightness. Okay? The brightness can be given to you either by the white light or by the warm light. You know? It's just that you have to approach the client, help them understand. I think... And I think everybody understands that. Until the time they get the brightness, I think everybody's happy. When you say doing a mock-up, what do you mean? How do you how do you uh, do a mock-up? Ah, so basically, lighting mock-ups are, are a regular feature for us uh, when we are planning any any lighting design for our clients. Uh, before we actually uh, let's say procure the all the lighting fixtures, we always show our clients what kind of lighting fixture and what kind of a lighting quality we are looking for them. You know, um, it is not just the same lighting fixture by one company. There are thousands and thousands of companies creating different designs of lighting. You know, we always show the client that this is the kind of light quality we are looking at. Sometimes the clients are very choosy. They don't want the glare in their eyes. Some clients are okay with that because they are looking for more brightness. You know, so mock-ups of a physical lighting fixture within a space is created for our clients with three, four, five down lights to show them, see, this is what we are looking for. So when you are sitting in your living room or the space, this is exactly what you'll be seeing in the ceiling, which helps them understand the space as well. So it's not just a computer. It's not a, it's just not just a plan. You're saying they can, they can see what the luminosity will be of this space. Absolutely. It's the physical, it's the physicality of this space. You know, they are, they are conceptualizing themselves in a space and then they see that, oh, okay, this is how exactly my lighting will behave. This is how will I, how will it look in the ceiling, you know? So mock-ups are very, very important, uh, you know, and I mean, no matter what money they're spending, uh, I think a, a professional should always show this to the client. 
So I just want to take um, a couple of rooms one by one. I mean, you know, our living rooms tend to be our sort of exhibition rooms, right? These are spaces where you probably need the br- brightest uh, light. Um, how do you, um, you know, how do you sort of think of lighting in a space like that, say the living room versus lighting for a more intimate space like the bedroom? What are the elements that you keep in mind under for each of these spaces? Uh, see, living room per se is your public area where people would be coming in. Uh, of course, it's your personal space also. On a day in and day out, you are sitting there and enjoying your living room. But on the time on a social gathering, the same space is being taken over by many people. Uh, while we are conceptualizing these public areas, uh, we always, our first step is to get, of course, that first light layering defined. Okay. The light layering is important for all the areas. It's just that for the living room area, we tend to keep the lighting levels a bit more higher than what we do for the bedrooms, you know, uh, where the central pendant or a chandelier will be the main hero of the space, complemented by the second layer of downlights. And these downlights will give us a general hint, you know, complemented with some downlights or accent lighting, lighting up your artwork your pictures on the wall, you know. So these are high points for us. A lot of living rooms, people put beautiful sculptures, metallic installations, you know, by by the artists. So we will pick them up. And as the evening goes by, the scenes are going to get kicked in. Maybe a seven to nine, there will be a more brighter scene when people are coming in, they're settling down, maybe nine to 11 o'clock, a more somber environment has been created with the lights. You know, as you go by in the yeah. evening, even yeah. your own requirements are changing. Whereas in the bedroom, like I said, it's it's functional lighting. Brightness, less brightness, it is up to you to decide what you want, you know. And of course, a lot of, of course, all the homes mostly have fans. But now a lot of modern homes have deleted fans from their spaces, now, you know. And that fan has now been taken over by a beautiful pendant in the middle, you know and complement it again with downlights and some table lamps on the either side. So it's basically the planning. They might look the same element in both the areas, but it is it's the quantity of the lighting which we are looking at. And of course, like I said, every house is personal. Every space is personal. It is up to you to decide that how much lighting you're looking for that day. You know, What kind of scenes are you looking at? Is it your evening scene, your television watching scene, your study scene? It can be anything. You know, so these are primarily the two basic differences between both of them. Of course, how you play with your own lighting in your own house is absolutely your baby. You know, that's how I put it. Now coming to say completely functional spaces, say the kitchens and the bathrooms. How do you how do you think of lighting for the kitchen? Because that's another space where you do actually need lots of lots of clear light. See, kitchen lights are very, very, very clear for us. It, it's an area where your housemaids and your house servants are going to be cooking, cleaning, doing daily chores. We are flat clear that this is not an aesthetical place. We recommend clients not to use expensive uh, you know, fixtures, hanging fixtures, because a uh, simple example is that you'll see a lot of interior designers, a lot of designers giving an island in the middle to the clients with a beautiful hanging. But I always question them that I said, our Indian cooking, we all know, is very full of oil, you know. You have nothing but 
a deposit of oil within like three months or four months <laughs> of being there. So I said, you might have spent, you might have bought the Scandinavian piece for your beautiful island kitchen to see what you have done to it. You know, we will rely on basic functional lighting in the ceilings, which gives, let's say, uh, I don't know, like a 500 lux or 400 lux to the, you know, these people, you know, and that's it. And when it comes to the bathrooms, bathrooms are still somewhere functional, still aesthetical. Uh, we will give basic functional lighting on the top of the basin, complemented by some hangings or some wall lights to at least see your face properly. Okay. Yeah, uh, a lot of people don't have the legacy of having separate dressing rooms, you know. Uh, most of the people tend to get ready in the bathrooms looking at the mirror. So we always tell them that always try to hang or have some kind of a wall light on both the sides of the mirror, not just one. Otherwise, you have uneven shadows on your face. So ladies will struggle with one lighting, you know. So uh, always two hangings or two wall lights on the either side. So you get light from both both sides. So it's not on top and throwing a shadow above you. Absolutely. Men don't really bother, but women you know, are more sensitive, as, you know, and they want proper lighting. And and if it's a larger bathroom, we will look for, let's say, niches. We will look for some kind of textures like we talked about earlier. Because bathrooms are no more bathrooms or toilets anymore. They have also become lavish spaces by itself. So we have to just understand those elements. Have you had uh, your clients' sort of requests or um, philosophy about light particularly change in this, uh, you know, post-COVID scenario, because COVID has had a great deal of impact on design, probably for the first time since World War II. Um, have you seen that people are asking for some things differently, especially if you're living in an apartment in a city? You know, uh, Ajit, the whole change which I feel post-COVID by our clients has been that I think there is, um, let's, I'll put it that way, that I'm talking about the lighting part, that somehow because people are working from home, lighting has become a very, very critical component for them. You know, light has become like a start point of a conversation for people. Mm. They're saying that I'm now spending eight, nine hours, six hours going offices, not every day. What are you planning for my lighting in the house? So lighting has become like a main high point for us. People are talking about lighting. You know, that's important. I think this is the biggest change which I have seen. Second change has been that uh, they're they're taking technology as part of it. You know, okay. uh, the same space is home office. Suddenly the same space has turned into something else. So they are saying that give us an option whereby my same space can be used by my kids. Same space I can use in a corner, maybe a nice study table for my calls, right? Give me the flexibility. Let Teach me some technology. So maybe I'm okay with it and let me absorb it. Why not? You know, because we don't have the legacies to now work uh, on the top of our you know, buildings and everything. Give us that flexibility in the house. So this is the biggest change which I think is happening. The lighting is becoming like a main high point for people. Are there examples that you can give us of sort of new trends uh, related to technology and lighting that's, um, you know, that's relevant Today? Uh, see, um, how people are changing is that you might have heard this term before human centric lighting. I think it's yeah. spoken about numerous times on various platforms. Now, that's something which people are saying that give us lighting which is more human centric, 
it is more tunable in nature. So a same light can uh, start from a 3000 Kelvin, which is a warm tone, goes all the way to 6000, which is a very corporate color. Let's put it that mm. way. So it's flexible, basically. Yes. Yes. You can, and is that done through through dimmers and things, or how do you control yes. it? Yes, we have automation companies who have okay. that kind of a flexibility. Of course, the lighting fixture has to have the technology in itself first, that the same LED chip is able to transform from a warm light yeah. all the way to a thing. So this is what people are doing, that they are saying that give us one space, if not all, which has lighting automation, which has this kind of a technology to it, you know. And then, like I said earlier, automating light is now the new thing. Everybody's absorbing it. They're not shying away from it. So this is how exactly I think the technology, everything is coming in together for lighting now. I think at least in this post-COVID times. I mean, I remember, um, uh, and this is a more of an aesthetic thing, but I remember there were these switches which were flush uh, to the wall and basically the same uh, texture and the same finish as the wall. So it's it's completely, you know, um, I mean, it disappears into the wall, basically. You can't tell which is the switch. Unless you know, you, you can't really tell the difference between the two. So there are a lot of these aesthetic changes as well, right? Aesthetic improvements to the way presentation of practical things like switches. See, uh, companies are, I think, doing some fantastic job. And like you rightly said, there are companies who are doing this the simple TikTok buttons are gone. Uh, they are coming up with these nice, beautiful square designs, RAM designs, old, old school toggle designs have also come back into into the foray. Uh, they are complemented with colors like brass finishes or nickel finishes, which goes with the whole design. So even companies are, I think, now experimenting uh, with this okay. kind of a technology, and and it's absolutely up to you that how much uh, you know you want to put into your spaces. And utilize this technology and these kind of products to enhance your overall interior design. So if you had to um, leave us with three things that we need to sort of remember when we're planning uh, the lighting of any apartment, doing it ourselves without the help of a lighting designer, what would those be? See, uh, I'll start like this, that, like I said earlier, invest that little extra time on lighting. Okay. That is, I think that's going to be the start point. Um, check what your designers are planning. See how they're approaching. Don't go just by the fan fancy 3D renders or the computer graphics which you see. Uh, sometimes people struggle to achieve that. Making a render is very easy. Achieving a render is very difficult sometimes. Uh, so please question that lighting part very, very clearly. Avoid doing, uh, try to see how you're approaching a lighting. If you don't have a lighting designer or architect, see how you are planning your lighting. Be more thoughtful. See what you are buying. Uh, see how you are planning your decoratives to the architectural lighting. Are you are you just depending on downlights to light up your space? No, don't don't do that. Mix around with some nice pendants around you. Throw some nice uh, standing floor lamps in the corner. People tend to you know uh, not speak about the corners. Uh, yeah. Corners should always have a light point somewhere. Because the more corners you light up, the more bigger your space looks. You know? And we always tend to overlook the corners. So mm. if you're living in an apartment, you want to make your space look bigger, pick up your corners. You know, um, So don't overlook these kind of things. And I'm sure these little, these, these things, I think, will help you achieve that right lighting. Um, you know, And even if you don't have lighting designers who are there to help you, or sometimes architects, sometimes people take up upon themselves to redo their houses. 
just do these basics. I think it will really help you tremendously, uh, you know, to achieve a good lighting design for your house. Thank you so much, Vinayak. Thank you for joining us. Um, Thank you for having me, Ranjit. Thank you, Vinayak, for talking us through the role of a lighting designer and their contribution to the overall design of a home. I want to recap what Vinayak said about the important elements that everyone needs to consider when they're thinking of lights that they're going to use. Or rather, think of your lights as a very important factor in the overall design. But also think of it considering the quality of sunlight in the space, keeping in mind what paint colors you'll choose, and vice versa, choose paint colors, keeping in mind the light. And also think of all the other factors that will add to the illumination in a room, like the materials on the furniture, the flooring. We'll delve further into the subject of lighting and paint color in upcoming episodes. I hope this information was useful for you. And if you want to consult a professional when it comes to your interior design, then you could look up the Beautiful Home Services, which is the interior design and execution service that's part of Asian Paints. There's lots of information on it on beautifulhomes.com. Or if you want to write in to me with your questions, then get in touch on beautifulhomes.styling at gmail.com. Happy decorating. You've just listened to the Let's Talk Decor podcast with your host, Manjusara Rajan. Follow our podcast on Apple, Spotify, and other major podcasting platforms. Let's Talk Decor is an initiative from beautifulhomes.com, which is India's largest decor and design platform and it is a part of Asian Paints. Beautiful Home Services brings customized interior design to everyone, allowing clients to create their dream homes with expert designers with the end-to-end project management guarantee that's part of Asian Paints. If you'd like to know more about BHS and everything else under the decor category of Asian Paints, then do log on to beautifulhomes.com. This episode of Let's Talk Deco is produced by Nikhil Dintakurti and sound design partner Smart Voice Studio.